Hey-o. Hey-o. It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramtran. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent July 28th in the year of our Lord, 2019. Welcome and bienvenue to Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast. How you doing? Good morning. Glorious Sunday morning. I'm recording here. Got a lot of, got a lot of love in my heart. Got a lot of, <laughs> um, yes, if you want to donate to the podcast, see I'm here to guilt you on Sunday morning. Let us with gladness present the offering, obligation of our labor to the Lord. Remember in church when they would sing a song and pass around the little basket? Let us with gladness present the offering. Got a lot of love in my heart, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to donate to the podcast, just um, go on your... uh, you know, PayPal account, type in uh, jr.ramtranthepod, eh, whatever. If you're new to the show, Jonathan Ramtran, the podcast, I am an actor extraordinaire. 18 years of experience, ups and downs, smiles and frowns, diploma in theater arts. Do you know what a pre-show dump is? A pre-show dump? <laughs> PSD? That's a coin termed by, um, I don't know if it was my acting class in theater school, I don't know if this is something that's just in the industry. I should really look more into this. Maybe try to maybe try to have a conversation with some colleagues of mine, even though there's not many of them left. <laughs> not like they died, but there's not many of my colleagues left. It's a hard knock life as an actor. People they get in it because they're creative, they're artistic, they want to be in that industry, have fun, create things. Then as life wears you out, you start to realize, holy shit, this ain't for the faint of heart. And, you know, people drop like flies. So when I say I want to speak to my colleagues, I don't know how many of them are really left. I mean, a lot of them have moved on their lives or doing different things, you know. Old Johnny here, though. I'm still standing. And uh, anyways, a term that I heard in theater school was PSD, pre-show dump. And something that the men and the women would joke about, you know what I mean? Like, oh my God, I gotta, I gotta go take a PSD. It's like a pre-show dump when you go take a shit before performance, right? Get the bowels loose. Get the vowels loose, you know? Oh, that this too, too solid flesh would melt. <laughs> Thaw and resolve itself into a milky dew. <laughs> oh, will none of Arabia's perfumes sweeten this little hand? <laughs> Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou Romeo? Deny thy father and refuse thy name. Oh, Capulet, why am I a Capulet? So yeah, you know, actors take shits before performances. That's something that, you know, I learned in theater school, you know? Not unlike a lot of um, industry, you know, industries. You know, I bet you doctors go take a shit before they slice somebody open. You know, dentists, before they drill a root canal, I get in there with their little pliers. I saw your cheekbone in half. You know, dentists, lawyers. I object. All right, this course is in recess.
Order in this courtroom. Order, I say. Tim Horton's employees? Was that a double-double? Get it? Double-double? So there you have it, man. Pre-show dump. That's part of my profession as an actor. Um, I remember also, thinking back, um, the last film role I, role I did, I was in an uh, independent film, circa 2016, 2015. I can't remember. I was blackout drunk, which I'm going to get to. <laughs> but, um, you know, I was really drinking quite a lot then, as actors and Lawyers and Tim Hortons workers and dentists and doctors are known to do. Alcoholics are in all walks of life, believe it or not. Homeless people. <clears throat> well, that goes without saying. But you know what I'm saying? So back in them days, you know, 2015, 2016, I was drinking. And uh, I was in an independent, independent film that a friend of mine had written and co-starred in. And he really put it together for himself. He was a, I don't know. I really had a lot of respect for him for doing that. We weren't like the closest of friends. We just kind of knew each other briefly from work. But, um, you know, I had a lot of respect for him for doing that. So I had a little part. He gave me a little part in the production. And I remember I just, I had a couple lines. All I had to do was say a couple lines. And I was so just, you know, I was just, Drunk all the time, bloated. I was about 30 pounds heavier than I am now. I just had all this bloated beer belly weight. I was fucking drunk, bloated. And I remember getting to set and I was just, I was stumbling and mumbling through my lines, sweating, just really. And I had like three lines. And it was like a little comedic part. And I could have just. I just couldn't handle myself. And I remember that was one of the moments in a lot of horrible moments <laughs> that I was having around that time. But it was just one of the horrible moments in a life of horrible moments <laughs> up until that point when I was just like, yo, man, like, I got to do something. Like, this career is faltering. This fucking drinking is a problem. Maybe I have to take a PSD. <laughs> pre-show dump or something. I don't know, man. I'm fucked. So I babbled my way through that little part. And uh, luckily, he was able to kind of edit it, edit my scene together. And it came out fine. And I got a couple of laughs. I remember he hosted uh, the director, writer, director. He hosted a, uh, a uh, premiere. He rented out a little theater in the east end of Toronto, the Fox Theater. And he had a premiere, and I was drunk and stupid, and uh, <laughs> I showed up to the premiere, and uh, I was dipping out of the show. I was dipping out of the, dipping, running out, leaving the uh, screening several times to go smoke cigarettes, drink beers in the lobby, and uh, whatever. Now here I am in 2019, focused, geared up, sober, hallelujah, and I'm just ready to fucking get at life, right? So that's another part of my story. I'm an alcoholic. <gasps> Two years, eight months of sobriety. And when I look back on them days, it's just like a remember when.
when I look back to those days of drinking, all the stupid shit I was doing in my career as an actor, as a fucking human being, my career as a human being, <laughs> uh, I look back in them days and I'm just like, hmm, like it's a remember when. It's a remember when. And a remember when is, and I guess that's kind of self-explanatory. Like you remember when. You remember when you're acting a certain way. And that's a slogan that you hear a lot of times in recovery, sobriety meetings. There's a list of different slogans, and that's one of them, remember when. And I remember back to those days of just being like, I feel pathetic, useless, a shell of myself, um, just a louse. Low down, shiftless, rotten, good for nothing, lay about, louse about, hole in the wall, bubble guppy, you dummy, you stupid drunk. And I remember thinking back to them days, and that's a remember when. And here I am today, like I said, two years, eight months sober, focused on point, and that also is a remember when. Whenever I wake up in the morning, no hangover, fresh, clean-faced, shaven on my way to other things when i wake up like that yo that's a remember when too whenever something good happens that's a remember when i remember when my life when nothing was going good scrounging for cigarette butts to smoke off the street yeah i used to scoop down into the gutter and pick up a fucking cigarette butt light it up i didn't have money for cigarettes i didn't have money for um as if that was something that i should have money for i actually quit smoking as well Two years, eight months of uh, not smoking, cigarette-free, so to speak. And uh, it's all just to remember when. Now I can actually remember things. (laughs) That's another part of being an alcoholic. Your memory isn't quite the sharpest. (laughs) What did I do last night? Hmm. Why am I face first on the floor, pants around my ankles? What happened? Never mind. So, uh, yes, I am also a janitor if you're new to the show. Janitorial services, janitorial customs, cleaning, urinals, toilets, mopping, sweeping, dusting, things of that nature, window washing. (laughs) Washing windows like a dumbass. Yeah, janitor, custodian, grateful to do it, you know? It facilitates my lifestyle. It gives me something to do to make an income, a daily income, which is very important for any human being hoping to survive on this earth. They need an income, so I get an income. And idle hands are the devil's playground. (laughs) So when you're laying around doing nothing, twiddling your thumbs, twiddly D, that's when the fucking negativity, the stupidity, the uh, self-entitled self-importance creeps out of you. You start to think grandiose delusions. Maybe if I do this, maybe if I do that. Sometimes you just got to stay on your point, cover your bases. So that's part of my love of the janitorial trade is it keeps me focused on a daily basis, doing something productive, making an income, which facilitates my performing. As I mentioned, I'm an actor. I got to um, pay for things to further my career. Um, equipment, laptop, microphone, camera, you know, these are things that help me further my creativity, further further my craft, 
right? I put together the podcast. I hustle. I do things along that line. Um, I need to pay for toilet paper to take a PSD, pre-show dump, you know what I mean? Toilet paper, that's, a, that's an expense as an actor. You've got to wipe your ass before you get on stage, right? So these, there's, there's the expenses. So that's where the janitorial hustle comes in, and I'm very grateful to do it. Um, at the moment, um, I've been training a janitor. Yes, uh, I've been in some janitorial training the past uh, week, uh, this new hire, this new janitor, he's got a lot of potential. You know, he's coming along, he's learning. But, um, you know, whenever I'm training a janitor, when I'm, whenever I'm doing some janitorial training sessions, I like to just take it back to basics, keep it simple. And don't get me wrong, he's got a lot of potential, you know, he asks a lot of questions, you know. But sometimes when you're training a janitor... <clears throat> It just comes down to common sense because a lot of the work is common sense. I mean, it's inborn. It's, I don't know if you can even really teach it. It's, it's just something you're born with. The, you know, just the common sense of like, okay, look. Like, for example, Muhammad is the man's name, right? And that's not a giveaway. There's millions of Muhammads, right? I guess he's a descendant of um, some god or something. <clears throat> I don't know. Muhammad. So anyways, this guy named Muhammad. I'm training him how to be a janitor. And like I said, the kid's got potential, but sometimes it's just, it's really cut and dry. And when I get a lot of back chat, when I'm doing my training, and I'm, you know, I'm trying to train him how to be a janitor. And when I get that back chat, you know, when people are like, I give very straightforward instructions. And a sign of stupidity, a sign of no common sense is when I get the back chat. Like, I'll tell him something like this. I'll be like, okay, Muhammad, I want you to put the garbage bag in the garbage compactor. Straightforward, right? Like, take that garbage bag, put it in the garbage compactor. Uh, okay, yes, but, uh, okay, but, uh, what the, what the, okay, I, I tried to put it, I, I put the garbage bag in the garbage compactor, and, uh, but I don't know, everybody, everybody, <clears throat> okay, Muhammad, you're really starting to piss me off here, buddy. Like, I mean, like, it's pretty fucking straightforward. Put the garbage bag in the garbage compactor. I, I know, but uh, first, uh, a little bit, uh, okay, we put a little... What's with all this back chat? What's with all... Like, listen, I'm the head janitor, you are the sub-janitor, okay? I'm head janitor, I'm first janitor, you're second janitor. Shut the fuck up and put the damn garbage in the fucking garbage compactor. I'm Mario, you're Luigi, okay? Don't you get it? I'm, I'm the first fiddle, you're second fiddle, buddy. When I say put the garbage bag in the fucking garbage compactor, I'm telling you, put the garbage bag in the garbage compactor. All right? I'm the senior janitor. Listen to me. All right? Everyone thinks it's glorious and easy being a janitor, walking around with your keys set like you're important. But no, there's a lot of straightforward common sense that comes into playing in the role of being a janitor. All right? Put the garbage bag in the fucking garbage compactor, Mohammed. I know, but I thought it's... But, but, it's uh, okay, whatever, fuck. So, you know, I appreciate, I appreciate the fact that he's asking questions, you know, he's, at, he's keeping his eyes open, he's trying to learn, but I'm telling you, sometimes being a janitor is just straightforward common sense. There's no need for all this back chat. So, you know, I got faith in him, like, you know, he's a good kid, he's, he's got a lot of potential, but I don't know, there's just some of this back chat that's really been bothering me this week, you know? I mean, I don't know how else to put it, I mean, if... If you don't know how to throw a garbage bag into a garbage bin, then 
I don't know what I can do for you, really. You know what I mean? Like, and I've trained, I've, I've, I've trained a few janitors in my day. You know, I ain't no spring chicken in the, in the janitorial trade. I've, I've, I've fucking trained a couple janitors, and you know, it's, it's, you know, I know potential when I see it, and you know, I don't want to throw it away. Like he's got potential, but I'm telling you, he's just got to learn a little bit more. And that goes for all you fucking idiots out there. When somebody tells you to do something and they're your superior, shut up and do it. Don't, but, oh, okay, okay, but first, shut up and just fucking do it. That will save you a world of grief. If you're having trouble and you feel like your boss doesn't respect you and your boss this and boss that and, oh, my boss has been pissing me off, take a moment and step back and realize they're your boss. If they're telling you something, just fucking listen to them. Then your problems will go away. Because think about it, usually a boss is a retard. Like most bosses are just basically your coworker who was dumb enough to try to get over top of you. You know what I mean? Like you're both idiots doing the same stupid job, but for some reason he thinks that or she thinks that, hey, if I can earn an extra dollar an hour if I become the supervisor. As if it fucking means anything, as if it's fucking worth it. Now you got more problems. Now you got more accountability. But hey, they're the supervisor or whatever, right? So now they think that there's something and they're lording over you. And the way to get along with them is just to appease them. If they tell you, put the garbage bag in the garbage compactor, just go, okay. And put the garbage bag in the garbage compactor. Don't go, yes, but then, first, what if we put it over here and we fix this here first? And Okay, let me organize this. and Shut the fuck up and just throw the fucking thing in the garbage compactor. Anyways, I'm a janitor. And last of all, I am a stand-up comedian extraordinaire. Ten years of experience. Moving forward in my career, I'm looking to be more emboldened. Bold. Boldness. How do you drink your coffee? Bold. Trying to be more bold in my uh, affirmation. In comedy, in my role of comedian, I'm trying to be more bold. I'm trying to stand up and say, yeah, that's what I am. I'm a stand-up. I'm a stand-up and say I'm a stand-up. You know? Do you understand? That's what I'm trying to do. Be more emboldened. Because the life of a performer, like I mentioned, you drop in like flies. <laughs> They're dropping like flies, man. It ain't for the faint of heart. Sticking around in this industry is tough. You got to have the talent and you have to have the perseverance. And it ain't easy. And I've seen a lot of people with talent, with no talent, fall to the wayside. And here I am, 18 years an actor, 10 years a stand-up comic, and I'm just trying to be more bold in my affirmation of artistry, artistic license. I'm allowing myself to do this. You know, you start off with a lot of confidence because, you know, here's the twisted, here's the fucking twisted fate and pain of a performer, at least in my opinion. You know, when I started out in life, everyone told me, you know, you're funny. You should be a comedian. I was like, what? Everyone said that. When I remember being, when I was a kid, I got that all the time. You should be a comedian. You're funny. You're a comedian. I'm like, "Mm, Really? Like, I always thought of a comedian as, like, Rodney Dangerfield. (laughs) You know? (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I'm telling you, you know, my wife, that's another one. She told me to come over. No one was home. I went over. No one was home. You know, I can't take it anymore, you know? <sighs> my doctor, that's another one. I told him, Doc, my teeth are going yellow. He told me to wear a brown necktie. <laughs> you know, Rodney Dangerfield, the best, one of the best, one of my favorites. I used to look at him and I'd be like, whoa, what the fuck? Like, people say I'm a comedian, like Rodney? Like, that don't make no sense. I don't, I don't have jokes like that. Back then, I didn't understand how to be a comedian, what it was to be a comedian. But I knew I gravitated towards comedians. I'm like, whoa, comedian. That'd be fun. I remember even looking at Fozzie Bear. You remember Fozzie Bear from the Muppets? I had like a little Fozzie Bear doll. And I remember everyone was saying, you should be a comedian. You're a comedian. I'm like, like Fozzie Bear? And I was looking at Fozzie Bear, this little doll I had of Fozzie Bear. And he had this like little brim hat on. He had like a little fedora on and a necktie. I'm like, is that what I got to wear? Because like, you know, it's like you start thinking about like, you know, a police officer wears a police uniform. You know, a construction worker wears a hard hat and a, uh, you know, a, a reflector vest. You know, a stripper wears nothing. So you start wondering, okay, well, what's the uniform of a comedian? And I remember looking at Fozzie Bear and thinking like, oh, shit, like, is that what it is to be a comedian? Like, you got to wear a fedora and a necktie? Like, like Fozzie Bear from the Muppets? And, you know, oh, you're a comedian. You're funny. You should be a comedian. And I never really understood it. And then going into my, you know, teenage years and my, my very early 20s, because I started stand-up comedy when I was 22. So going into them days as a fucking teenager, early 20s, people even then, yeah, you should be a comedian. You're very funny. I'm like, hmm, I don't know. I don't know. And then, you know, somewhere at 22, after having a little experience, like I've told you, I'm an actor. I did all the plays and stuff like that in high school, went to theater school, got a diploma in theater arts, did like little one-man productions in theater school. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give it a try. You know what, world? You know what, world? I do want to be a comedian. You're never going to make it. The second I said I was going to be a stand-up comic, the whole world changed. You're never going to make it. You're not good enough. You're not funny. You don't have what it takes. You're a loser. You're pathetic. You'll never make it. It's funny. It's really funny how the negativity can twist on you if you listen to it. You know what I mean? It's really funny how human beings in general and just the negative, cynical side of life can really play that game with you if you're susceptible to it. You'll never make it. You're not good enough. You're not funny. Like that. The second I said I wanted to be a comic, all of a sudden, I was not good enough to be a comic. Yet, my whole life, people are telling me, you're a comic. So that's what I mean. Today, I want to be bold. Bold like a cup of coffee. Ooh, this is bold. What is it? Well, it's Jonathan Ramtran, the podcast. That's what it is. Comedian. So there you have it. I am an actor extraordinaire. Janitor extraordinaire. Alcoholic extraordinaire comedian, some people would say. So, welcome to the show. Yes, it is summertime in Toronto and the birds are chirping. Yeah, beautiful summer weather. I'm enjoying it. I was up early this morning doing laundry. Um, It was laundry day. And, um, you know, fuck man, a lot of fucked up people hang out at the laundry mat. 
If you live in a big city and you've ever been to the laundromat, you'll understand what I'm talking about. People be fucked. And that's some of the humility and the remember when, as I mentioned, as an alcoholic, as a substance abuser, as a person in recovery. That's one of the remember whens I have to keep in mind because sometimes you see a motherfucker and you're just like, you, yuck, get away from me, you know? I'm at the laundromat this morning and there's this dude that I see usually... I always see him when I'm doing laundry. I do laundry like every once or twice a week or whatever, right? I see this guy quite often at the laundromat. And he's always just bleary-faced and anxious, you know? And that's one thing that annoys me. Anxiety and stupidity. He's just got this fucking red, fucking beet red face. You can tell he's a drunk. He's got this beet red face, all anxious. <laughs> he's like, you know, counting his change and putting his change into the laundry machine, right? It's like, yo, dude. You're a fucking anxious drunk, and you can't even execute a simple task like doing laundry without all the fluster and stupidity of a fucking addict, as a fucking substance abuser, as an alcoholic. And that type of vibe, that energy, yo, I'm just not trying to be anywhere around that. And that's a remember when for me, because I have to have compassion, you know? I have to have empathy. It's like, no, it's not like I'm above this person. But, yo, that's just a vibe that I ain't trying to be around. (laughs) All hungover and bleary-faced, red bleary-faced, fucked-up-looking eyes. It's just like, yo, dude, you're on a bender. You're on a lifetime bender, and you need to get it together quick, dog. You're like 55-plus years old, and you're still getting banged out drunk every night? Like, pull it together, bro. It's not a happy ending. It's not a happy ending for the alcoholic. You know? Dying... Poor, broke, alone, broken, a shell of your former self. That's what you're heading for, buddy. You got no real friends. A dude like you can't have no real friends. Come on, man. People don't want to be around that. You don't even want to be around yourself. Go take a look in the fucking mirror. (laughs) You know? Anyway. Um, But hey, you know, that's the part of being... Humble in your recovery. You got to have empathy and you got to remember when. Because you know what? Just a couple wrong moves and boom, I could be right back in that position. I could be just like that. That's where the humility, the empathy, and the remember when comes in. Because you know what, man? It's a slippery slope and who says you can't return to a former hell? That's why I say I'm a recovering alcoholic. Because you're always in recovery. You're always maintaining. You never really get cured. There is no cure for alcoholism. There's only the grace of... uh, The grace of um, stillness, recovery. Um, What do they call it? Remittance or remission. The grace of remission. You can stay in remission. You can um, have the grace to be you know, a non-active drinker, you know, a recovering alcoholic. But, you know, to call yourself recovered, well, then, you know, all of a sudden that's where the arrogance could come back, right? Oh, I'm recovered. I can surely have another drink. That's not a problem. And then, look, 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 next thing you know, you're back to being all fucking anxious, bleary-faced, fucking bug-eyed first thing in the morning, hungover, sweaty, lousy, fucking drunk, homelessness, homelessness. You know, you don't want to be back to that. 
A lot of homeless people, too, hang out at uh, laundromats, I noticed. And, you know, like I said, I have to have the remember when. I used to be homeless. Back in my drinking days, you know, there was a brief stint. I was homeless for four months. I lived in a men's shelter. And I was out there drinking with the boys, you know, acting stupid. And that's something that's weird and real in the homeless culture. Hanging out at laundry mats. Laundry stores, laundry mats. I remember a couple times the boys would be like, yo, let's go get drunk at the laundry mat. I went with them one time. I'm like, yo, like, what are we doing drinking at a laundry mat? This is stupid. Like, I might be a drunk. I might be a fuck up, but I'm not an idiot. I'm not stupid. Like, you're getting nowhere in life getting drunk at a laundry mat. That's the pain and turmoil and the misguidedness of some people, man. They're just getting drunk at fucking laundry mats. Wandering the streets drunk. But hey, it's a remember when, and I can't think too much about that. You know? From the grace of remission, from the grace of um, recovery, here I am today. So whatever. I got clean clothes on. I did my laundry this morning. And there was a cute little chicken. This cute little chicken, this hipster chick. I see her every now and then. And if you want to oppress a woman at a laundromat... If you want to know how to really impress a woman at a laundry mat, here's what you do. Carry your laundry. I'm telling you. If you want to impress a woman, because you know, you know how women are, these little chickens. They can't carry shit. Little weak arms. <coughs> Sorry, honey. But your arms are weak. And uh, don't, don't get me wrong, you could probably give a good hand job, but you can't carry no laundry, right? <laughs> Those arms are only good for milking. They ain't good for fucking carrying bags of laundry, right? So these cute little chickens. I know, I'm getting misogynistic here. Calm down. But anyways, these cute little chickens, they got their laundry, and they put it in like those little laundry buggies, you know? Little laundry buggies. And if you want to impress a woman at a laundromat, I'm telling you, hoist your laundry up on your shoulder and walk out. Oh my God, there's a real man. Look at him. (laughs) The stares they give you, the reverence, the strength. He can carry his laundry on his shoulder. (laughs) Ha ha. So it was this cute little hipster chick, and, you know, she gave me a smile. But I can't tell. Is she terrified of a black man? <gasps> a black man. Act natural. Ding. Show you this little smile. So is she just smiling out of the fear of Black Planet? Or is she smiling because, you know, she's kind of, you know, smitten with a real laundry man, you know? A man who can really get it done, carry his laundry on his shoulder. Who knows? Who cares? Anyways, that's laundry. And, um, you know... Another situation in my life right now is um, my, my diet and my exercise. Yeah. You know, call it what it is. I'm getting bloated. You know, I've been eating a lot of bullshit. Like, give me a break. As I mentioned, you know, like, I'm a sober janitor. How fun does that sound? I'm a fucking sober janitor. So I got to get my kicks where I can. You know, if I got to eat a bag of chips, if I got to eat a bag of fucking um, sour kids or whatever the fuck, box of chocolates i gotta do it man i don't care if it's not valentine's day i'm eating a box of chocolates i'm fucking you know writing myself love letters i'm I'm doing what i can to stay you know happy and as a sober janitor i gotta take my kicks where i can and i've just been getting a little bit out of control lately even though i do work out and i do stay fit you know i've been just being stupid lately with the diet with the exercise so i gotta get back on that fucking point I've been eating a little too much chocolates, a little bit too much fucking potato chips, french fries, shit like that. And 
I got to get back on point. And one thing that I want to do is, as I mentioned in a previous episode, I've been looking to buy a bicycle. And I got into a little bit of a, I don't know what you would call it. Mm, I don't know. It was just a funny little happenstance. You know what I mean? Here's the thing. What I've come to learn in life is once you start to understand what your triggers are, once you start to understand what annoys you about human interaction, you can limit and choose where you want to place your energy. So check this out. I was looking online to purchase a bicycle secondhand. I was thinking, okay, maybe I can get a secondhand bike at a reasonable price. So I read this ad on Craigslist. Here's the ad. New aluminum tempo bike. In new condition and perfect shape, cosmetically and mechanically. Got it as a Father's Day gift. Never really had a chance to exercise on it. It was $400 with tax delivered to the store. For more information, go to blah, 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 www.blahblahblah.com. And then here's some information on the bike. 700C aluminum wheels, 21 speed, Shimano Altus RD upgraded. Riser handlebar, the best for city commuter. The size will fit 5 foot 8 to 6 feet tall. Moving and don't have the space for it. So that was the ad. It's this road bike, originally priced at $400. The man selling it for $150. Hmm, sounds like a good deal. But there's a couple things wrong with this ad. You know? Like, Father's Day gift. Never really had a chance to exercise on it. Who sells a Father's Day gift? What kind of father does that? Dad, I bought you a gift. Fuck you, you idiot. I'm selling it for like less than half the price. What kind of father does that? So that was a red flag. I'm like, hmm. And a bicycle. A bicycle that you're selling because um, you don't have the space for it. You don't sell a bicycle because you don't have the space for it. A bicycle is a valuable, useful item. Nobody sells a bike because they don't have space for it. You find space for a bike. You sell a fucking Chesterfield. You, s- you sell a bookshelf if you don't have the space for it. But a bike is a useful item. You don't just sell it for no fucking reason. So a lot of this shit's just not adding up. And I'm like, hmm. So I send this dude an email, right? And um, here's the email I sent him. Just let me look it up on my phone here. Just give me one moment, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I send this idiot an email. And here's what I say. I go... Uh, hi there. My name is John. I am very interested in your Craigslist post regarding your supercycle tempo, which is the bicycle. Is it still available? Do you have some sort of proof of ownership? I am available Saturday, the earlier the better, to check it out. I appreciate the description and the price you posted, and I feel I shouldn't have a problem taking it off your hands. Thanks, John. So that's the email I sent this bozo, right? And, you know, I put it right out there. Very pleasant. You know, I'm trying to establish the fact that, hey, we're strangers. We're meeting each other online. I don't want to just go into some blind, dark alley to meet some stranger to buy a bicycle. I ask, hey, do you have proof of payment? Do you have proof of ownership? Because, like, if it's like he said, he got it for a Father's Day gift, he can't take it with him, blah, blah, blah. I'm assuming it came with some sort of assembly manual, some sort of receipt, You know what I mean? He should have some proof of ownership. I don't want to just buy some 
stolen bicycle offline, off off the internet, and have this bad karma following me. Like, yo, like. So I think it's a very considerate, insightful email that I sent this guy. He hits me back with this. Saturday between 11 a.m. and 12 should work for me. Oh, should it? Should it work for you? You know, an hour grace period to come uh, purchase the bicycle you are trying to sell? You know, you're going to grant me that luxury, are you? Oh, lucky me. Well, whatever, pinhead. It's a fucking buyer's market. And that's what I mean. When you get a vibe in life off of people, off of situations, hey, you don't have to invest in it. So I just ignored him. I didn't respond to that email. You know, I sent him a very straightforward, pleasant, personable email establishing the fact of who I am, my name, my picture, you know, in my email address. Um, I told him that I was interested in the bike. I'm not just dicking him around. Like, I will take the bike if it's truly like you say it is. And um, do you have proof of payment? Because that's a real thing. You know, people sell stolen goods all the time online. And, yo, I'm just not trying to do that. Not trying to buy that. He hits me back with this terse, blunt email. Should Saturday between 11 a.m. and 12 should work for me. Oh, really? Gee, thank you. Gee, thank you for letting me um, purchase your bicycle. Thank you for letting me give you money. This is your idea, buddy. This is you selling a bike. Right? It's a buyer's market, fool. Like, I'm, I'm at the fucking helm here. I'm in, I'm in the fucking... You know, here I am starting to sound like I'm in, you know, like I'm in control of something. But it's, it's not about being in control. It's about being in a good situation. You know what I mean? So I'm just like, yo, whatever, dude. And I just didn't get back to him. <laughs> so um, I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. You know, in life, you got to put yourself in a good position. And when you're feeling like, when you're feeling like, when you're feeling at odds with a person or situation, you don't have to engage in it. And, you know, I, I thought that was interesting to mention, you know. And just, just the fact that he was definitely lying. Well, I can't say definitely, but I mean, come on. You know, a lot of things weren't adding up there. Who sells a Father's Day present? Like a couple, like a month after Father's Day. And that's a great gift. If, you're, if your son or daughter buys you a bike for Father's Day, why would you sell it? Because you have to move and you don't have space for it? That doesn't make sense. You don't sell a bicycle because you don't have space for it. That's a useful item. You get rid of stupid things that make no sense. Like, oh, I bought a fucking pinball machine and ding, 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 ding. I don't got any room for this pinball machine. Like, no shit. Who the fuck takes it? Like, you know what I mean? So, like, anyway, I just think it's important that when you're involved in stupid situations with stupid people and nonsense, you just clear yourself of it. Water off a duck's ass. Quack. Like, as if I should respond to that email. It's just hilarious to me because (sighs) kindness, honesty, straightforwardness, it costs nothing and it gives you great reward. In life, it costs you nothing to be polite and considerate, and it gives you a great reward. It's a give and take system. And 
you know, I send this guy an email in good faith, stating who I am, what I want, my trueness and honesty in my interest, like I will buy this bicycle off you if it's what you're saying, and he sends me back this stupid-ass email, not answering my question and being kind of bully-like. And I just wonder. It just truly makes you wonder about people. Like there's, like, there's this idiot out there in the world that thinks that somebody should bend to that will or just jump at his little fucking bullshit. I don't know. It's just, it's just strange to me. It's strange to me. But hey, you know, people are stupid, whatever. It's almost as if we get so preoccupied in life with what we want, we forget what we are projecting out into the world. You know what I mean? Like this man completely overlooks the fact that I'm a real person, I'm sending him a pleasant email, and I have a question about the product he is selling me. And he hits me up with this robotic text message reply. Um, Saturday between 11 a.m. and 12 p.m. should work. It's like, yo, man, where's your humanity? Where's your civility? Where's your manners? You're interacting with a human being here. I'm not a robot. You know what I mean? Like, use your mind. I'm, I'm a person you're meeting off the internet. You know, I obviously have to come and meet you. Why don't you speak to me with a little bit of civility? Some manners, perhaps. Like, how else are we going to transact this transaction? It's face-to-face purchase, isn't it? Like, you're talking to a person you've never met, and you're coming at me with all this, like, bluntness and, you know, bully-like mentality. Saturday, 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. should work for me. Bubbly, bubbly, boop, boop, boop. You are wasting my time. Answer me in a timely manner. Fuck you, buddy. It's a buyer's market. I'll take my money elsewhere, fool. So, anyway. It's just interesting. And the point being, like, in my... I guess maybe in the past, in the past, I would look at that response as like, oh, well, I should respond to it. Or, oh, I have to jump at this. Or, oh, I have to, like, I have to reply. Like, I have to reply with my answer. Okay, yes, I can meet you between 11 a.m. and 12 p.m. And, okay, yes. And it's like, no, actually, I don't. You don't have to reply. When you put yourself out there in life straightforward and you're met with what you would call an unpleasant response, then you can have the power within you to choose a response or not. I didn't feel a need to respond to him because he didn't extend a, a civil, mannerly response to me. He treated the situation like um, he's talking to a robot. So I didn't take it personally, but I didn't also engage in it. Like, I don't really care. I'm just like, okay, whatever. I'll just go on to the next thing. And I, I didn't respond because what am I supposed to respond to that? Thank you very much, but you didn't answer my question about whether or not you had ownership on it. I didn't like the fact that you um, were very bully-like, you know, telling me when you should be available or when you shouldn't be available, as if I have to hop to your fucking whim when it is you selling the bicycle and it is I who am potentially, you know, in the driver's seat here. And uh, why should I hop to that? Fuck you. Thank you very much. Like, should I, res- should I have responded? 
I don't have to respond. I'm just like, hey, whatever. I'll bitch about it on a podcast. <laughs> so there you go. When you get with bullshit situations, you don't always have to engage. But a beautiful situation that I was blessed to be situated in. Friday night, July 26th, 2019. I went to the opening night of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Creme de la Creme, one of um, Quentin Tarantino's best. I mean, I really enjoyed it. Quentin Tarantino, director of um, Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown, Django Unchained, Inglorious Bastards. You know, one of um, America's greatest directors. You know what I mean? Went to his film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, starring Leo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, Al Pacino, a few others. I had a great time. Start to finish, great time. Friday night, Friday afternoon rather, I was uh, getting off work as a janitor, as I mentioned. I dipped, dipped over to the movie theater in downtown Toronto to pick up my tickets. It's opening night. Who knows if tickets are available, right? So I figured better go check ahead of time. So I go for a walk in downtown Toronto Friday afternoon, July 26th, and it was beautiful. Summer breeze makes me feel fine. Beautiful, man. Just walking downtown. Summer breeze. Chill vibes. Everybody's groovy. It was beautiful. Just a nice little stroll. Get to the movie theater. I get one of the last tickets for opening night. Great seat. I'm happy. I go home. I take a shower. Rinse off the dirt from my janitorial hustle. Put on a fresh pair of pants. Fresh undies, t-shirts, socks, shoes. Then I go for another walk. Another beautiful walk in the beautiful Toronto. Sun beaming, titties jiggling, ass cheeks slapping. Going for a little stroll. Checking out the weather. Checking out the girls. Checking out the dudes, you know. Cute young men in their fucking muscle tank t-shirts, you know. Just a smorgasbord of bodies for whatever the fuck your tastes are in 2019. You know what you feel like, you creepy fucking weirdos out there. You know how it is, right? Just the animal attraction of the summer, you know? Sizzling. I get to the movie theater. What a magnetic charge, I'm telling you. Opening night of a great film by a great director with great actors. I never felt so alive! As the ambulance comes to pick up my carcass, guys can hear the ambulance in the background but god i'm telling you opening night of a film ah there's an electric magnetic shock pulse wave just pumping through the air you know it's just such a fun feeling being a part of that um that that energy right it's really uplifting and you see all the people excited to go see a movie you know everybody's happy honky dory Everybody's standing in line up 
for popcorn, you know? I'm not much of a popcorn expert. Uh, I don't know. I just, back in the day when I would go to a movie, I'd just show up drunk, <laughs> half in the bag, couple beers in my back pocket. So I was never much of a popcorn fanatic. So here I am in this day and age. I ain't getting in line for popcorn, right? All these dummies just, eh, whatever. They're having fun. They're in line for popcorn. I'm like, yo, I don't need that shit. I see uh, Starbucks kiosk, Starbucks coffee. Yeah, like, yeah, let me go grip a coffee. I'll go grip, grab a coffee for the movie. Now, um, I go and I order my coffee. I get a tall pike blend coffee, right? If you've ever been to Starbucks, tall pike, please pay for my coffee. I take a sip. <laughs> what is this fucking hogwash you're serving me? Almost fucking choked on the bloody thing, right? I'm like, ugh, it's the worst fucking coffee I ever tasted. I had a flashback to last year. I tried to go to a movie last year, right? It was my birthday. I felt cute. thought I'd go to a movie. But before I entered the theater, I purchased a coffee from an outside Starbucks. I figured, what's the big deal? Water off a duck's ass. Who cares if a man's drinking in a cup of coffee, right? I go to the theater, little pipsqueak fucking um, usher, 17-year-old freckle-faced little puke, goes, um, Excuse me, sir. You can't bring that outside coffee into the theater. Sorry, sir. You can't bring your outside coffee in. Monkey little puke, what do you give a shit, right? Tosses me out of the fucking movie theater on my birthday of all fucking days, right? So, you know, I had a flashback. You know, coffee just, it hasn't been sitting right for me at the movies lately with coffee. But hey, like I said, summertime. Summertime heat. Sizzling, smoking, sexy. I ain't gonna let it sweat me, right? Water off a duck's ass. I choke back this god-awful coffee. Whatever. It's not going to ruin my night. I start heading into the theater. And, uh, you know, I get a little pick-me-up. A little pick-me-up. I, I notice it out of the corner of my eye. <laughs> this tight ass, I'm telling you, right? Real fucking badonkadonk. Real taut booty. Buns. Check out the buns on that one. I'm taking a look at this chick's buns. But as I get a better look, I, I take a look at the back of her head. <gasps> Baby's going gray. Baby's got some gray hair. I'm like, what the fuck? I take a closer look. <gasps> what? A sexy grandmother? What in the world's going on? She's like a kept woman. One of those trophy wives, right? And then I notice out of the corner of my eye, the 65-plus-year-old man, he's creeping up on me. <gasps> I guess that's his woman. I'm checking out a 55-plus-year-old woman. Her 65-plus-year-old husband's creeping up on me, right? He sees me checking out her ass, right? I'm like, <gasps> I have to pretend like I'm looking at my movie ticket stub, right? And I'm like, <gasps> I'm looking at my movie ticket stub. No, I wasn't staring at your 55-plus-year-old woman's ass. No, I wasn't. <laughs> Not me. But hey, it was no big fucking deal. Uh, you know, he didn't get all ornery about it or nothing, but he noticed. He saw me. It was a mistake. It could have happened to anybody, right? I'm telling you, she had a fine ass for like a 55-year-old woman. It was odd. Anyways, uh, we all corral and, you know, corral ourselves into the theater. I go and I take my seat. And I'm sitting next to this 17-year-old pipsqueak, and um, I'm telling you, he was kind of annoying me. Like, this idiot had no idea about elbow room. Like, when you're sitting in a dark theater next to another man, like... Why do, you, why do you brush your elbow up against his elbow? 
when there's plenty of other elbow room. You know, this idiot's fucking and fussing with this elbow room. It's like, yo, like, here's my elbow, there's your elbow. Never should the two um, intersect. But hey, you know, like I said, it's all a part of that magical, mystical movie experience, you know? You're sitting alone in the dark next to your uh, fellow comrade. You're bonding. You're enjoying the movie. You're enjoying the ambiance. I guess it's really no big deal if he wants to, like, push up on me with his elbow. You know what I mean? It was unintentional. He's locked into the movie. I could see his shining eyes in the darkness, just wide-eyed, fucking little pipsqueak, 17-year-old pipsqueak, just enthralled with the movie. So, you know... I just let it ride. It was no big deal. But like, yo, there was plenty of elbow room. I don't know why he had to creep up on me like that. Hey, what can I say? Nobody's, not everybody's as smart as I am, but that's just me. And there's there's other bozo sitting in front of me. He had like a man bun. He had this gigantic man bun that he squished underneath a ball cap. So there's, there's this fucking bobblehead sitting in front of me. But thank God he had the wherewithal to like cock his head to the side He was a very gracious man. I was very um, impressed. I'm like, wow, here you are with this big bobble head. You got a fucking man bun. You're wearing a hat. But he had the common sense to kind of lean to the side a little bit. So, you know, I had a clear view. I had a clear view. And I'm telling you, once those uh, lights dimmed and the movie started, it was a blessed time. We came together as an audience And you could totally tell there was magic in the air. It was a great experience. Uh, I don't want to spoiler alert you. You know, it's a brand new movie out in theaters right now. I just highly recommend it if you get the chance. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Very, very uh, entertaining film. Quentin Tarantino, you can't go wrong. He's always an entertaining uh, director. And um, the performances of all the cast, like I said, Leo DiCaprio, Bradley Pitt, um... Alfred Pacino, Al Pacino, Morgo Robbie, a few others. Michael Madsen, uh, Kurt Russell, to name a few. There was a few cameos. And uh, just a great experience. Definitely check it out if you get the chance. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Then after the film, uh, oddly enough, <laughs> as we're filing out of the theater, I see that, uh, you know, like I told you, that 50... 55-plus-year-old woman. I saw that ass in the crowd again. (laughs) And her fucking grandfather husband, uh, you know, struggling to keep up with her. She had some gams on her, uh, some getaway sticks. She was walking quick. Click, 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 click. She was uh, stomping off in a storm. And uh, Grandpa there was huffing and puffing, (gasps) trying to keep up with her, right? And, uh, you know, but uh, got another glimpse at that ass, you know? (laughs) 50-year-old booty. Wonder what that tastes like. (sighs) And, uh, you know, then after the movie let out, I went out into the starry night. Beautiful, calm, sultry summer night in downtown Toronto. You know, soaked it in, thought about the film, thought about how cool movie audiences are. They're really, we are really a great group of people, film goers, movie goers. What a blessed audience, man. They're the greatest. I mean, don't get me wrong. Stand-up comedy audiences are great too, but they gotta know you, <laughs> or that at the very least they gotta like you. It's a tough sell sometimes turning over a comedy crowd if they don't know you and you have to perform to them and 
try to bring them over to your side of humor. Try to sell yourself to them, basically. It can be trying. Though they are great and they are very attentive. There's something different about um, a film audience. The attention that they can place. To sit still for two hours and 40 minutes with their attention locked on a film and experience all the same moments together. The highs, the lows, the laughter, the suspense, the thrill. You know, it, it was just a great experience and I was reflecting upon that and, you know, I really appreciate a great movie-going crowd and going forward as a performer, like I mentioned, as an actor, I really want to try to capture that, that experience, you know? It, it had a calling to me, a calling, a call of the wild. Tarzan or whatever. It had that, like, call of the wild to me. Like, yeah, I want to catch that. I want to, I want to ride that wave. So it definitely had that in my head. And um, it also got me thinking about you, how, how in life sometimes you can get like, for example, while I was feeling all that happiness at having a fun evening at the movies, I also felt a bit of guilt and a bit of sadness. Like, who are you to feel happy about going to a movie? Like, the grass looks greener on the other side. I started to get ungrateful. It's like, why should I be happy to go to a movie? There's so many other obstacles in my life, so many different levels that I'm trying to climb up. You know, I'm trying to get to the next level in my life as a performer, as a human being, as a man, X, Y, and Z. Like, I'm trying to jump levels in my life and such a small thing like going to a movie and having a good time. Sure, it was a good time, but in the greater scope of things, who gives a fuck? Like, come on, I'm starving for the realness. I'm starving for my chance. I'm starving for my break. When is it going to be me for flying fuck's sake? right? Then it's like, yo, like, be grateful. Be grateful for the happiness of a great night at the movies. And don't get too ahead of yourself. And I don't want to say that I deserve to be happy. I mean, deserve really has nothing to do with it. We all deserve to be happy. You know, as long as you're living a life of do unto others as you will do unto yourself, the golden rule, that's another part of recovery. We have a saying, live and let live. You know, as long as you're living and let live in life, you know, you're not imposing on people, you're just trying to be a good person out there in the mix. As long as you're living that way, you, you should allow yourself happiness. I won't speak for others, but at least for myself, I got to allow myself to be happy. Be grateful for a good night at the movies and don't get all guilty, and don't get, you know, guilty, like, oh, I, do I deserve a good time? Don't I deserve a good time? Or I'm grateful, you know, ah, this isn't good enough, I deserve more. Deserve, that's a heavy word, like, you know, I deserve this, or I deserve that. I mean, who fucking knows, right? But I should allow myself to have a good time, right? Stop thinking so much about it. Stop squabbling over, ah, this coffee tastes like shit. <coughs> or this stupid man bun having idiot in front of me, his big bulbous fucking bobblehead is in my way when I'm trying to watch the fucking film. Or this stupid little fucking acne-covered fucking teenager next to me. 
Oh, yeah, that's another thing. He, that little fucking pipsqueak teenager with the pimples sitting next to me with his fucking elbows fondling, fondling me in the dark, that little bozo, he was, like, coughing throughout the film. He was really getting on my nerves. He's, like, eating popcorn and coughing at the same time. How do you shovel popcorn into your face and cough at the same time, right? He's, like... <gasps> Shoveling back coffee, fucking rather, shoveling back popcorn and coughing at the same time. It's really getting on my fucking nuts, right? It's like, yo, man, would you fucking pick one or the other? Die of whooping cough or just, you know, eat yourself to death. Whatever the fuck it is, just shut the fuck up and let me enjoy this film. But then again, like I said, the ingratitude. That was just my ingratitude coming through. That was just my guilt of feeling happy, trying to find a negative kink in the chain, you know what I mean? When it's just like, yo, man, just let go. Let go and enjoy a great night for what it is, the simple pleasures of a movie experience. Hallelujah. And moving forward, you know, that's what I'm going to do, allow myself to have a good time. Because, you know, like they say, we're here for a good time, not a long time. So have a good time. Sun can't shine every day. And the sun is shining here in the city. Um, yeah. And uh, today's a beautiful day in Toronto. Looking out the window now. Bunch of weirdos walking around. I'm going to go outside too and cover some, uh, cover some business that I need to do. You know, stuff for the comedy career. Stuff for life in general. Get a little bit of a workout in. And uh, keep going, right? Keep going, right? There's always the struggle to do something, but you know what? There's also the excitement of possibility. So I'm hanging on to that. Hallelujah. It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramtran. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent July 28th in the year of our Lord, 2019. Any questions, queries, or qualms about anything you heard on the podcast, please do hit me up. jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. We're on YouTube. Check me out on YouTube. Comment, like, subscribe on YouTube. JR the Podcast on YouTube. Something like that. I don't know exactly what it is. I'm sure you're not stupid. You could figure it out. I'm on Spotify. I'm on iTunes. I'm out there in the world. Please enjoy, share, love, like. Till next time, ladies and gentlemen. You live it. You love it. You realize it. I peace.